May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be always acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, good afternoon, faithful souls. I can remember it like it was yesterday. I was a young wee lad at St. Andrew's Episcopal School in Amarillo, Texas, and I was young enough not to know anything, but old enough to think I knew everything. And I heard Father Fred, the preacher of the day, he would tell us in a sermon one Wednesday morning in chapel that if you believe in God, that you will live forever. And it was in that moment I said, what? Did he just say I'll live forever? And I thought it sounded like the greatest thing that I had ever heard. I high-fived my buddies and said, I am in. I want to live forever, just like Father Fred said that I would. It would be two to three weeks later that I would come to believe that Father Fred had told me a very big lie. As my grandfather, my father's father, was in his last battle fighting emphysema. And he went through, and thankfully, my parents, as I was this wee lad that I talked about, my parents had shielded me from the worst of seeing that disease squeeze the last of the life out of him. I got to see little by little, and for whatever reason, they chose not to go to hospice, and this all transpired at home, while my grandmother, not a trained nurse, cared for him. Now, my father and my grandmother, on the other hand, saw just about every minute of the last strength of his body, the disease just ravaging his body, and he didn't die a very nice death. And I can't talk about what I actually saw with him, but I can talk about what I saw with my actual dad. Now my dad, as most sons looks, look at their dads, are the strongest man in the world. And they can never show any kind of weakness. They're perfect and nothing will ever uh, make them sad or, or take that away from them. Well, this was one of probably five times in my life when we were at the funeral of my grandfather, literally counting on one hand that I saw that perfect, strong man that I had always envisioned my father to be and still envision him to be as, as a son always looks up to his father. But this is the first time I saw a real side of him I had never seen before in that chink in the armor of perfectness and that he would always be strong and never be weak began to change. As he would gird up his loins and have that courage to face the funeral, my, he was a different tradition, so they had open casket. And in that moment, as we were all leaving that funeral, I, cannot, I remember this so vividly. That my father, he, would, he had been strong up until that moment, but when it came time, to say that final goodbye and to look upon my grandfather's body that last time, his knees buckled and he fell. And he just weeped. The first time 
I had, as a young boy, had ever seen my father show that type of weakness. And it, it, it really put me in touch with mortality. As that I would come to understand and I was old enough to think, well, one day, you know, I look at how much that my father misses his father. And he just wishes he had him back. And then I realized doing a little, you know, gymnastics, my goodness, one day I'm going to be in those shoes, looking upon my father the way he is looking upon his father. And then when I think about it more, my boys will one day be in those shoes. This is what we gather to remember and look into this morning. And the story that I tell, it actually went on as I talk about Father Fred, and he was the sermon in the lie that he told me, that my, this weakness in, in coming, being in that chapel seat, and him saying, you can live forever, and me saying, I want that for my grandfather to die just weeks later, that sent me on a season of my heart as a young, very young man becoming hard and bitter. And I actually, in private Episcopal school, became somewhat of an acting out because of my sadness and thinking that I had been lied to. I started acting out and even become, getting in physical fights and being known for a time of my life as a bully. One of those days came where so many getting in trouble one day after about three months of this, Father Fred had had enough. And I had to go see him and the principal in the office. And of course, by that time, with my heart being so hard at everything that I had experienced and thinking that Father Fred, you know, you lied to me and just being really upset about that. Now, the principal and Father Fred would introduce me to Big Bertha. Now, Big Bertha was the paddle that the principal kept on the wall. And literally, before I got not one, not two, but three swats, the principal, and with Father Fred kind of chuckling in the corner, showed me that how aerodynamic that Big Bertha was. Special design for no, you know, no air catching it and stopping it, that Big Bertha was going to hit the mark and I was going to get the point. And literally, not once, not twice, not three times, the principal was, he got the first shot. And Father Fred would get shot two and three. And being that young man, thinking in my eyes, like, I'm strong. I can face anything. And that bitterness and angst and that hurting that was in my heart had me just fighting the world and fighting the brokenness of the world and, and repeating that. And I literally thought in my head, nothing's going to happen to me. They can hit me as hard as they want. <laughs> and, and I'm going to be so tough that nothing will affect me. Literal shot one from Mr. Rao, the principal comes, boom. That toughness became weakness like that. How tough I was, I thought, oh my gosh, here I am, the, the tears are crying, and I begged for, okay, one's enough, that pain and feeling that is enough, and they said, no, you got two more coming, and literally, Father Fred came number two and number three, 
And by that time, any toughness I had, any of that anger and that bitterness in my heart had turned to focus on the pain, the physical pain from that paddle in that moment. But it God using that oddly and strangely something like that in my life, it's a moment of his grace that I will never forget. As the principal would leave and Father Fred would sit down to me and he says, in this forever changed my life. He said, I understand why you are hurting so much as we buried your grandfather just months ago. And you have, as a young man, it's not fair, but you have tasted your first, you have seen what death does and what death is and that it is coming for all of us. But then he said, you have also seen how tough you think you are. And I'm so thankful. He, he loved me enough to tell me the truth. But you are actually very weak. You've got a lot of growing up to do. And you're not as strong as you think you are. But he didn't leave me there. He said, but let me tell you why that is okay. That is the same journey we are invited into on this Ash Wednesday and in this 40-day 40, 40 season of Lent. That story I tell probably resonates with you in a similar story and where you both had to ponder upon your own mortality that one day the breath in your lungs will end and then to come to grips with the sin that can come from our own hearts. And it's not just in our time. For the followers of Christ, this is the story of all of humanity. As in a moment's time, we are going to, in unison, as we do every Ash Wednesday, we are going to read Psalm 51. And some, sometimes I think Psalm 51 loses some of its power if we don't know the context, as we talk about the story of humanity and what we have to realize to get to Easter. We have to go through Lent. And now, Psalm 51, as we will read it a few lines down, the context of it, this is the great King David, the one that was said to be after God's own heart. And yet, Psalm 51 is the deep prayer of anguish of a broken heart. As David has gone, he came up with this, and it came out of his own heart and out of his own mind that he would send Uriah the Hittite to the front lines as he was a soldier, to a second-hand death so that he could steal and have that affair with Bathsheba. Now, in, the re in, in David responding to all of this in Psalm 51 that we will read a few lines down, it actually says, Lord, I know my transgressions and my sin is ever in front of me. And as we are reading that, make it your prayer and know the deep anguish and broken heart that David had as he was writing that. As he was reaching out to God, realizing how holy that God was, and in those actions, realizing the power of sin, and because of it, how unholy that David was. This is the context that story of humanity that we all share in our pursuit of Christ. You see, you are invited. This, 
Ash Wednesday, and through the season of Lent, both to recognize the things we have talked about. That one day, on this side of heaven, the bodies we walk in now will go down to the grave. And we are also able to get in touch with the sin that is in our lives. We all sit here as the children of God, made in his image, and yet our hearts that can come right from here, they show that just the incredible destruction and how we can tear things down rather than build them up. And it starts right there in our own hearts. These are the things that we are invited to go on an introspective journey over the next 40 days that will lead us to the point of realizing we, how limited and fragile we actually are. Our lives can be taken from us just like that. We can try any which way we wanna go and try to get all the shortcuts and hit all the traffic lights right, we can still get stuck in traffic. Our bones break. We face disease. We can be tired. We can be hungry. And our minds tell us in, in rebellion, no, I can do it on my own. But this journey of Lent brings us to the end of ourselves where Christ can begin to work in and put to death the thing that actually causes death. This is where the end of us comes and the beginning of Christ comes in. And this is where the good news is made for us all. That moment when Father Fred told me, I know why you're hurting because of death and I see the rebellion that it has caused in your life, but let me tell you why it's okay. Let me pass it on as we consider this invitation we all have. Let me tell you, for us all, why it is going to be okay. You see, this invitation that we, by breaking out the sackcloth and in a moment's time, putting those crosses on our forehead, it reminds us that the invitation is not to show off what is there. The invitation is not to brag upon what you had taken up or given up as a discipline through the next 40 days of Lent. And it is not that we focus on the, on the morbidness or the sadness of one day that we will die and we do not know when that will be. But we embrace the end for us all to embrace the one who had no beginning and has no end. We embrace the end and we embrace death so that we may taste life. It was the Apostle Paul in Romans that tell us Christ became sin so that we may not so that so that we may be made righteousness by Christ facing sin and becoming sin. And as it is revealed to us through this journey to Easter that the sin that may be as we face our own mortality, we may through all of these years, if we have been maturing in our relationship with Christ, maybe there is something we've been holding on to that we say, God, I'm good giving you all these other things, but this one thing I am so ashamed of that I don't even think you could take it from me. 
But that's what this journey of Lent is for, is that Christ meets us in the suffering. It is not that he, in dying on the cross and rising again, removed suffering from all of us, but he meets, it, he, he, meets a, he meets us in the journey of that suffering. And by him dying on the cross, we can take the, that focusing on our mortality as well as the things and the sin that would try to destroy us. Whether it happens over a lifetime like rust growing little by little or if something comes for us like a thief and we're not ready for it, we can take all of that and we can lay it at the feet of the cross. And scripture tells us that by the cross, all those things were swallowed up and destroyed. And little by little, we are made by this process and this journey of Lent on the way to Easter. We are made by his cross and by his rising again. All of those things are taken from us and we are made a new creation through the resurrection of Christ. Not being sad about the things that are brought before us today, but returning a joy to us for what he has done and that we have access to him by what he has done. My prayer for you as this season of Lent begins is that you would hear the words we will also say by the psalmist in Psalm 51 that his prayer would be your prayer. Create in me, create in us a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within. Cast us not away from your presence, but reveal and take not your Holy Spirit from me, but give me the joy of your salvation and renew a right spirit within me. I bid you a powerful Ash Wednesday and a powerful journey as you look into the suffering, but don't be overcome because Christ meets you and walks with you through it. Be blessed by him. Amen.